0: because of my passion for online entrepreneurship and in believing the impact we can make if we can all discover our purpose and do what we love the passion and purpose podcast was born i hope to share more inspiring adventures with you along with the people who have been there and done that yes. hi everyone welcome to season number two, episode one of the Passion and Purpose podcast. And I'm so excited to announce that I have my very dear friend, Jessica Madrasa today as our special guest. Her ne- um, of course, Jessica is also known as the Digital Davoenia, and she has over 13 years of experience in digital marketing. And being the ultimate rakitera, she functions as the operations director of CoffeeBot Solutions, Marketing Manager of OnlineJobs.ph, the very popular um, online jobs platform here in the Philippines, and also as a digital jobs trainer under the Department of Information, Communications and Technology. She also uh, is a co-founder and trainer of Access Ed, CMO of Travel Access and Digital Marketing Consultant for different companies in the Philippines and worldwide. Wow, Jessica, how are you today? Hi, Roche. I'm good. Thank you for inviting me. I am so excited to have you here today. So, Chess, um, can you please tell me how you got started as the Digital Wenya or how you started to discover your passion?
1: Um, I started uh, like everyone else. So, I was working for a company. Uh, it was one of the first outsourcing companies here in Davao. Um, I was back then a writer and a virtual assistant. So I was her first writer and the first virtual assistant. Um, And then I was tasked to write an ebook about sort of like the marriage of online marketing and offline marketing. So I'm not sure if that book is still out there. Um, So that was my main introduction to the world. Uh, But when it comes to working online, while I was working for the same company. I was also referred by a colleague of mine. Uh, I was referred to uh, the owner of OnlineJobs.ph, John Jonas. So that was when everything started. So that was 13, 14 years ago. Wow.
0: And then what happened when you were transferred, you know, or, or when, you, when you took the job with OnlineJobs.ph? Mm-hmm. What are the things that you discovered about yourself, about,
1: you know, your passion in the online industry? Well, I already knew that um, I really liked writing. Uh, it was one of the reasons why he got my services. But what I wasn't expecting was that I would be also tasked to like, make websites. Um, uh, I was introduced to SEO and all of the other um, you know online strategies. Back then, I knew nothing. So I learned HTML from scratch. I, I think that was one of the things that I really learned that I really love technology. Um, the things that came easy for me wasn't exactly easy for everyone else just because I really liked learning it. Uh, my background, uh, I graduated um, with a course of A B English. So it was totally non-tech. Uh, but before that, I was really convincing my mom to enroll me in a technology related course. Because I read from a magazine that tech was the future. And I guess that magazine wasn't lying. So I still ended up in the industry. So even if you try to avoid what your supposed destiny is, I guess, you know, eventually you go back to that path. Nice, nice. It's like
0: some, someone is calling you, you know, <laughs> to yeah, be yeah. in the industry. Mm-hmm. Um, I remember when I was also starting, I started as a content writer um, and social media manager for a realtor. And I was only writing At that time and i don't like websites because i thought that websites really something that is only for those who are really into tech and i'm not Mm -hmm. techie as well and i didn't realize that i would also learn how to create websites and something like that so we have um something in common in that part now um you said that um you were you were learning the technology and you were enjoying it and then Mm -hmm. how um when when did the realization came from? Like, you know, uh, that you like what you're doing and you wanted to pursue and you have an advocacy, you know, something like that?
1: Um, So, because I was still young, I had a lot of energy. So, I still stayed in different companies, you know, um, back then, um, the term virtual assistant didn't even exist yet. So, we just called yeah. it telecommuting. Those jobs were just telecommute jobs. Um, and, A lot of people didn't understand it. My mom didn't understand it. And so I was forced to keep a day job um, and then just do those things on the side. Uh, And while I was doing it, I guess I was still bored. So I still had a lot of other activities outside of work, even with two jobs. So I was also volunteering for a lot of organizations, um, a lot of activities, everything that I can do. So I slowly built passions around it. And I also started uh, joining different organizations and even holding positions in those organizations. Just just really happy doing it.
0: Yeah, yeah, that's nice. That's nice. And two jobs. How are you managing it? Two eight-hour jobs?
1: Well, you know, like I said, I, I realized I was good at certain things because I'm able to finish my work faster and so it didn't really take up uh the entire eight the hours entire eight for each hours, job uh-huh. yeah because uh, you know w- especially if I'm in the mood you know it's it's really really easy for me to finish even like eight articles although back then um the internet only required 300-400 words <laughs> yeah <laughs> so I was able to finish a lot in a, in a short period of time
0: Wow, I'm amazed. 300, 400 words, um, eight articles a day.
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I guess I was, you know, age. <laughs> I was very, very hyper back then.
0: <laughs> yeah, and then um, how did you realize that that is your passion and you wanted, you really wanted, you know, to grow in the industry?
1: I didn't really think of it as... Uh, my passion. I think our generation, we we weren't really in search of passions. We just did what we wanted to do. Uh, we kept on doing things that we liked to do, and we didn't really call it a passion. It's just a I like doing this and I like doing that. And those are some of the things that I do. But I also have other things on the side. That's that's how yeah, no label. we did it before. <laughs> yeah. So it didn't really have a label. I just. Uh, did that a lot, and uh, I got known for those things. So even in my other organizations, I was also always pleased. You know, I won awards in those organizations. So I was with JCI. So uh, you know, all our projects did win awards, and so every time they had like a new advocacy, um, you know, I was I was um assigned to it. I think one of the reasons why that is so is because my my background, my family is also very into advocacies. So um like my my um my late uncle and my aunt, you know, they're with nonprofit organizations. So I guess I didn't notice that I was picking up a lot of things. Mm-hmm. And that's why I knew what to do whenever there were challenges. And um, one of the organizations that I was with also placed me in a lot of trainings, a lot of seminars. And, you know, I was able to pick up a lot of things that were really, really useful and not a lot of people uh, were also very familiar with. Because I really like uh, when you're when you're doing advocacies, it's very easy to get emotional (laughs) and you think everyone else has the same passion uh, but I like the the realistic point of view that was presented to me, which was, you know, the, the, the energy that you have for certain passions, they die eventually, uh, especially when you get tired, because people get burnt out. And even if you do have enough energy, the people around you eventually will also get burnt out because it's just a passion project. You're not paid for it. There's no added motivation except that it makes you feel good. So once that feel good stops, then the support also stops, and so I like the the concept of uh, when you're in these kinds of advocacies, you either uh, learn to re- really work smart, not just for yourself, but also for the for the team that's that's behind you, the people who are supporting you, the people who are donating to your project. You have to make sure that they also get something in return. Maybe not. Uh, so most of the time it's not monetary but you know they have to get something that's really beneficial that that really benefits them
0: wow um that's something it's really true that you know sometimes you get tired you get demotivated with just everything that's happening around you yeah. um but then my question is uh when when did you discover cuz you mentioned something earlier that because you're not getting paid for it when yeah. when did you start getting paid for what you like doing, for what you advocate for?
1: Uh, I have to be honest. It took years for me to get paid to do these things, uh, the things that I, I used to do. So if I can, I'm not sure if I can list down all of the advocacies that I was doing. So um, I worked with projects and um, and climate change. So I attended. the the climate reality training by Al Gore. So that's one, the environment. So I'm invited to speak in those, uh, in different events. Uh, And that really taught me a lot. Um, uh, Local arts. So I was also one of the founders of like uh, an organization here in Davao that promoted local arts. Um, There's also, I've worked with uh, anti-human trafficking So that was with MTV Exit. Um, Apart from that, I have smaller projects with different organizations. So for example, um, uh, Echo Bricks. So we also had that pilot project that uh, we started in JCI. I wasn't the the chair. It was um, Liz, uh, a friend of mine as well. But I also supported that. Uh, And then, of course, um, uh, Internet Literacy. So that's also one. So, I've worked with those projects um, as a volunteer for years, okay? I'm not (laughs) going to lie. I'm not going to say that it took me one year and then I started getting paid. So, I was just doing all of those in the background. And then, you know, reality kicks in. So, I wasn't able to really... um, participate in those things that much especially when coffee bot started because you know when you run a company and you have so many people counting on you um the hobbies get cut down but then uh, lately I've been realizing that I've been getting a lot of increase related to that so it was really just recently so like I said years probably like seven ten years later because those things that I did for fun um organizations especially the advocacy um, niche they're used to their projects being just advocacy projects so once there was a challenge of hiring someone or working with a company that had to do specific responsibilities because they were actually paid for this already they were looking for people who could do that but had to be passionate about the advocacy So that's when I started um, becoming uh, attractive to them because advocacy projects are just so different from, you know, products and services. Yeah. So years, Rosh, it took years. That is um something that um everyone
0: our listeners right now or our the, the ones that are watching us right now they need to realize that um it's not easy to like uh build a portfolio. What you did unknowingly, you were building a portfolio that you know you can use in the future for future paid projects. And it's yeah. not easy, seven, ten years, you know, um building it, that portfolio. Yeah.
1: It took me that long. Um, because uh the internet wasn't that popular back then. Um, in my case, and and you know, organizations weren't really looking for at that time. Uh, but now it's it's becoming a niche. Mm-hmm. Um, and I was very lucky because I was um, I used to search for my name. I used to Google myself long <laughs> before it was a trend because I I don't know it, instinctively I just wanted to control. Um, my reputation online and so you know if this part was missing i would write articles about it and i'm very lucky because you know i know how to make content. you know how to write yeah. yes so i was i was constantly adding those advocacies into my linkedin i added it to my website not really expecting anything i just wanted people to know who i was so uh that's why i said that this was these projects they just came to me I wasn't really looking for them. And it, the, accepting these projects really made me happy because you know, it's, it kind of brings me back to my volunteer days, except this time I get paid.
0: Yeah, a lot. <laughs> <other> things, yeah. <laughs> yeah, please tell them about uh, Tayo Alerto and how you got reconnected be because of the you know previous volunteer jobs that you did.
1: Yeah, so I mentioned that um, I worked with MTV Exit years ago. Um, they needed uh, contact in, in Davao to help them organize um, concerts. Uh, th- they had like a series of concerts all over the Philippines. So because they were targeting the youth, they had to create events which were attractive to the youth while spreading the awareness of human trafficking. Um, and because at that time, I was working on my other project, which was the local arts. So I was familiar with concerts, the different artists. Not really big concerts, shower We're in Davao, So, yeah. <laughs> yeah so, I, I did those events. And then, uh, so, they found me online. Because uh, we had a website. And uh, they approached me uh, asking for my help. So, it was still help back then. I was able to work with the, that organization, MTV Exit. It was a, an international organization. Um, and then, months ago, uh, this person emailed us telling us that, you know, they were uh, a consultant for uh, a certain organization that was promoting uh, the awareness or was spreading awareness on human trafficking. And they were asking for our rates, what we could do, requested a call. And so we did that. And then I realized when I checked my LinkedIn that I was able to work with her before. So I mentioned that um, I, I think we were able to work before. I just didn't know this because there were so many people back then. Um so it was quite a coincidence. So I think it was really one of the reasons why she chose our, our company, aside from being located in Mindanao, uh, because uh, Tayo Alerto, the project that we're, we eventually got, uh, it's supposed to spread um, awareness on human trafficking in different parts of Mindanao. And because we were in Mindanao, that's one point, and I was already involved in different advocacy projects so I think that really convinced her um to to get us as their um service provider for this. Yeah, that one is very exciting. Imagine
0: um something that you did a long time ago, you know, we'll come back as a yeah. paid project right now without you even have to, you know, without you marketing. <laughs> mm-hmm. You know what they found you and you said they found you through the website. How effective
1: was the website for you? Lately, um, my personal website has been really, really effective. Surprisingly, uh, when it comes to picking up clients, because I've just I've actually just revamped it, revamped it, and I added, you know, all of the the items that were in my LinkedIn, including the volunteer work. Because normally we don't add that on our yeah. career <laughs> sites, right? Um, and so I did add it in, you know, the different non work trainings that. Um, I went through the different projects that uh, I did, uh, even the the volunteer ones, and so I think when they come from my my corporate site, which is CoffeeBot, CaffeineRobot.com, and then um, they try to look for you know who are the the people behind it, and they end up on my website, and that's when they realize that we really have background on this, uh, and that you know it makes the website attractive to them so it's really more of the information I don't have photos there of my projects I don't I just listed down all of the all of the projects and the advocacies that uh, I volunteered for and that's it which got me thinking I also have an advocacy page on my website you do you <laughs> so do. that
0: means I'm on the right track yeah yeah I just have to add the cooperative there by the way <laughs> yes you should the you should you yeah. should Wow. Right. So we're learning a lot. Thank you so much, Jess, for sharing your story, Um, because not a lot of people realize how effective a website is, especially adding the advocacy part, because these are the things that they thought that they're just doing for fun or out of hobby or out of advocacy. And for you, you managed to transform an advocacy, a passion into a paid project what else are we waiting from jessica madraso in you know in the years to come because you seem to have grown um 13 years in the industry and i don't know i'm so excited just you know to
1: get to know what are the plans
0: that you have in mind
1: um, working with advocacies it comes with different challenges so while you enjoy it um i'm not a one man team i'm managing a team which means i i also have to pay them so um, I realize that not a lot of organizations, this is real talk. You, yeah. We cannot volunteer all of our, I cannot volunteer their time. Yeah. Uh, just to promote a cause um, and expect them to be okay with not getting paid. Um, that being said, I know that a lot of organizations can't really afford Um, to hire my services. In fact, I, I do have uh, certain people who have already approached me and they really just can't afford to get our service, um, and it really makes me sad. I think I've mentioned this to you. It's not about the money. I just I don't like feeling bad about not being able to help them. But I know that I also cannot, you know, sacrifice so much of my time. So I'm really considering um, my, and I think it really helps the organization's awareness on what we do and the importance. So I think I might be um creating uh certain courses for programs that are uh you know that they can take uh during their off time if they really want to learn it uh which isn't very demanding on, on my time so i think it, it's really going to help a lot of organizations and hopefully you know they get more funding and yeah. they'll be able to get these things off their plates
0: Yes, that's right.
1: Um, you, I, I
0: believe that you also mentioned um, something about writing an ebook in the future. So, right now, you were planning on creating uh, an LMS. This would, I'm, I'm assuming this is an on demand you know, learning system. Am I correct?
1: Yes. Uh, this is also in connection to Access Ed. I've been putting Access Ed off for a very long time because of the different demands of our work. But I think it's really high time that I start working on it. Also, one of the reasons yeah. why I'm writing this uh this ebook, um, because there is a certain perception that uh the, the really good talent they only come from the, the bigger cities. And I wanted to put more attention uh for our our online professionals in the provinces, and not just our online professionals, also the businesses that are located in the provinces because i think that there's really a lot of room for growth and yeah. they also deserve the attention so it's uh I'm, I'm i'm starting with that with that book right now i'm going to interview um different online professionals and discuss the strategies that they do uh to make working online even if they're in the province you know work for them you know how yeah. to how how they make it effective
0: Yes, um, I can remember because <clears throat> I also used to um, stay in Bataan. Uh, back in the days, 2013, internet connection is really very expensive. For you to get like a 10 Mbps connection, you have to spend like 10,000 pesos a month. And the internet connection is not stable. So um, those who are newcomers <laughs> these days that are just starting, they're very lucky because there's more options for connectivity and it's very cheaper lucky, yes yeah, yeah right it's cheaper right now when we have backups back in the day there's no backup data yeah. um is really very very expensive yes, nobody can yeah. afford it yeah <laughs> right no one gets plans yeah everybody everyone is just uh buying uh load credits yes no um about the ebook that you were saying you said you're going to interview because you wanted to um highlight, you know, those who are starting businesses in the countryside, in the provinces. Um, are you thinking, I mean, are you, are you going to approach them and highlight their stories per se? Or are you going to put all of these stories together? Not just one story, but a lot of, you know, stories um, that you, you're going to put together.
1: Yeah, so it's more of going to be a compilation. So I am really excited because um, they work on different uh, scales as well. So I'm going to interview someone that has company, but I'm also going to interview, um, you know, just freelancers and they have different niches, different specializations. So it's more of like feature different stories and then highlight, uh, especially the parts um, that uh, really uh, focus on, on like the tools that they use, especially uh, and it, it comes out the environment part especially the reuse of uh, alternative energy for example yeah. yeah as backup whenever they get blackouts because i think employers also need to know uh, that you know if they hire people from the province it's not they're not always unreliable because a lot of them have actually invested a lot of money from their salaries in order to just keep up or make up for a certain um, difficulties that they have in the province.
0: Yeah, tell me about yours. What's what's your backup? What's your uh, typical
1: uh, table or setup looks like? Uh, in in Davao, uh, there's there's not a lot of blackouts, but uh, I have been talking to uh, one of uh, the people that I'm interviewing about oh. setting up. I want my um, power source for my work area to be completely solar. Uh, it's easier that way because it's not that demanding yet. Uh, The batteries are quite expensive. So maybe I'm going to start there and then scale up. Uh, But my setup at home, I I don't really have a permanent setup. I'm okay with a laptop. I know that most online professionals at our level, they prefer a lot of monitors. But I'm fine with just my laptop because I like to work outside. So I bring my table in the garden whenever it's hot inside the house and I work from there or I move to where my pets are when I don't have calls so that I'm with them. Um, So I really work anywhere. I'm the work anywhere kind of girl. I'm talking about work. Can you please tell us what's
0: a typical day for you, Jess? Typical day, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Because I know you worked long hours, so just uh, to give them an idea, what the
1: typical day of a busy online professional is. Okay. Um. Pre COVID, my my day was really very busy. I didn't mind the the longer hours, but since COVID, um, I, I was able to realize that people needed some time off. So I've also experienced them. Um, the, the cabin fever, as well as, you know, the problems that people encounter during COVID. Okay, so um, these days, what I do is I wake up earlier than I used to. Uh, I, I start my day thinking with my coffee. I think of the things that I'm supposed to do for the day, uh, hoping that I haven't double booked myself <laughs> for certain things. Uh, if I have training, I usually have it in the mornings. And then after that, um, it's when I catch up on CoffeeBot, what they're doing. Um, I start monitoring my other projects. Um, And these days, I I try to end by 7, 7 p.m., Uh, That's when work stops and, uh, you know, I relax. But there are certain times when we end up with uh, 12-hour workdays. It's not all the time, Roche, right? (laughs) And it's usually easier, like I said, when you're working on passion projects. It usually happens on passion projects, special projects. For example, like with Tayo Alerto, because there's a, a specific time frame. And because there are, like, donors that we have to be concerned about, yes. um, we need to give that extra push. We need to give those extra hours. And these are hours that we don't exactly have on our calendars. And we don't exactly plan it. But if needed, um, you know, we do it. Plus, to be open.
0: <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah. But last I also week week work on open. the weekends. Um, not the entire day, but I a lot a certain number of hours just to make sure that i'm not very busy on a monday
0: yeah yeah me too so tell me about the workouts because i know that you're you know a a very agile person you work out a lot and you're very conscious about your health especially right now during the pandemic so i think that it's also important that people need to know that despite the heavy schedules that we're having Mm -hmm. um, we also need to keep ourselves healthy so what are the routines that you're doing
1: Okay. So there was a time when I I was on a daily workout. So I really allotted one hour uh, a day for it. Roche, I did it daily? During, yeah, every day. <laughs> sometimes more. It depends if I'm supposed to do cardio, if I'm supposed to do a run. So I, I work out for two hours sometimes. Um, but on regular days, I do it around 12 noon. And even if it's very hot, you know what the reason is? Because people don't reply to me during 12 because oh. it's lunch break. And so to avoid my anxiety of not receiving any responses, I work out. <laughs> that's how I deal with it. Um, it's really a mix. So I like doing yoga because I have a bad back. Um, I've downloaded an app which you know I'm not going to mention here, but um, it has a lot of workouts, regular workouts that really scales up. Um, I also do some weights. Uh, and yeah, I uh, HIT when I can, but I know that it's hit when I can, but it's very demanding. Uh, and, but I, I like running. It, it allows me to, to think. So especially when I'm stressed. I told you when I'm stressed, I tend to run more. Uh, because it's just quiet time. You're, people are not supposed to talk to you when you run because you're also not able to respond. <laughs>
0: so yeah, we'll we will see. be training trying HIT later tonight, we have a schedule at 7 pm. So it will be my first time. So tell me about HIT.
1: <laughs> it uh, I only do it a few minutes because uh, my lungs can handle can it. handle it. <laughs> yeah so I don't do it all of the time. Uh, only when I, I need to lose weight fast, like I have a certain goal. Because when we did face-to-face training, there was a lot of food. You had breakfast, you had yeah. merienda after that, and lunch, and then merienda, and then I have a dinner. So I gained a lot of weight. Um, lately, I haven't been able to work out Um, anymore, but... um it's it's really marked on my calendar I'm really supposed to go back to working out already (laughs) yeah I I talked to this
0: uh coach before um she she used to be a guest in the in my podcast and she said that if you are looking for something that you will be doing for a long time to keep yourself healthy you have to find that uh that the the design or what do you call it the the kind of workout that works for you the kind of workout that you enjoy otherwise you'll end up not doing it because you get bored or you get tired yeah
1: yeah so there are certain workout routines on my app that I really don't do because I did try them but I end up getting bored so I go I, I like weights weights are weights are fun really. yeah me should, too yeah. yeah I like it yeah, 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 I, yeah. I enjoy doing weights
0: yeah aside from boxing weights is really something that i really enjoy I like a lot. seeing the muscles after yeah. you're uh, and um it really challenges you when you were able to you know lift up a certain yeah. a certain
1: slowly <laughs> increase your weight yeah, yeah yeah that's
0: right so um h.i.t by the way um for those who doesn't know what h.i.t is it's high intensive uh training it's uh, it's a special designed workout if you wanted to let's say Um, Cut the abs or something, you know, if you have a certain certain muscle areas that you wanted to build. Now let's go back to Jessica's (laughs) passion. Um, You said earlier that back in the days there was no label. It's like a relationship was unlabeled. That's so sad. (laughs) (laughs) But now that um, it has been labeled, like you know what you are passionate about and you get paid doing it. Other people were saying that um, there's there's a group of people that is just what they say call it romanticizing the term passion.
1: What can you say about that? I think it's so true. Um, One of the signs that you're just romanticizing passions is that um, you never stick to something because you end up... uh, You say that you're you're just not happy doing it. I really believe that passion, it's also... You're not born with passions. Yeah. It's a build-up because of exposure. So I think... The reason why advocacy is, it's one of my passions. Because unconsciously, I was picking up a lot from my family. So it's part of our discussions. You know, what's happening to the community? So what do they need? And what are the proper responses for it? What's the right strategy? What are they doing wrong um, during dinner? And (gasps) I didn't realize that I enjoyed talking about it. Um, Same case with my work. That's why I work very hard, you and I. It's not because uh, we want to be millionaires, although, you know, the money helps, but we love doing what we do. And even when we are supposedly having fun, we're watching um, a film or just browsing Facebook and we see something that's related to work, we get excited. As excited as they would maybe when they see new shoes or, a new movie. Shoes, yeah, or, or see the trailer in a movie. We're also very excited to try those experiments to make content similar to that. Or I don't know, to, to learn something related to it. So um passions they grow inside you. You're you're not, it's not um like relationships, you're supposed to work on it. Right? That's why it lasts. It's the same case with passion. If you don't exert your time, if you don't invest time on it, it's really not going to become your passion. Yeah. And uh, on the other side, people who are too passionate about things, um, discarding realities is also bad. It's also romanticizing. So like I said, um, you cannot work forever on nothing. There has to be something. You can Yes, you can get volunteers. There are a lot of people who are willing to volunteer their time, but it's time. You're, what are you going to do when lunchtime comes? You can't expect them to also spend their own money. Yes. You know, you should at least feed them. and They need to be rewarded. Yeah, yes, and food, you know, you're supposed to pay for it. So there are certain realities that they don't understand just because they run on passion. They don't understand the management, the fundraising, all of those things that go behind every organization and every advocacy. So it's great to start even if you're starting from zero with no money at all. But if you want it to be sustainable, some projects are very lucky where you know it just comes to them. But if you're not like them, then you're supposed to put in the work in order to be able to provide for that advocacy. And yeah, I think because of my background, it's the reason why why I understand the the reality behind the passion. <laughs>
0: yes that's right and while most people are getting paid or while some people are getting paid doing what they love some people are just not as lucky as others so um i think um sticking with your day job or sticking with what pays um what pays the bills is okay and then just do the passion on the side you know the the things
1: that you love do it on the side until you get paid doing it yeah i get a lot of um applicants or like my, my new employees are very young and they say you know um I I can't continue working because it's just not my passion. Well, you know, your passions, you can always do them on the side. You have to make sure that there's food on the table. Nothing's stopping you. No one's stopping you from spending your extra hours somewhere. If you need the job, you're supposed to work. If you're lucky enough to be rich and, you know, just spend your time on passions, go ahead. But, um, yeah, work isn't life. So you can work and also have passions on the side, right? Not everyone who's passionate about music are professional musicians. Yes. Some of them just play their, you know, play their music after work. So it's also the same case if we're talking about advocacies as passion.
0: Mm-hmm. And you have to really stay long enough in the in what you're passionate about before you can you know get known in the is- industry because you're building your name, you're building yes. authority, you, you're building portfolio. Maybe um they want to know what is the ideal um time allotment that you need to you know allot in a certain project if it's a passion project, um without having to sacrifice your day job.
1: Um. I think it's on a case-to-case basis. I think for the younger people, um, all of their waking hours, it doesn't really <laughs> matter because I know you, they, they usually live with their parents, someone cooks for them, someone cleans their house for them, so it's okay. And um, even if it's not all of their waking hours, even if they um, wake up or stay awake longer for those fashion projects, I think it's fine so it's really on a case-to-case basis when I was younger I did my losing sleep over the project that I was doing Mm -hmm. so it's also the same case for you I think you just have to take uh, if you really want to do it if eventually you feel like I wish I had the job that was related to this because I really love doing this if that's what you want then make sure that you start documenting you start networking because even if I documented this project, but um, I didn't build my network, I didn't add uh, Lindsay, for example, the the consultant uh, who got us, if I didn't add her on LinkedIn, I wouldn't be able to remember that, hey, I I worked with you before, okay? So you should really invest on on meeting people, even if you say that, you're not comfortable or you're an introvert uh, it's still very important it's required for your advocacy it's required for your passion um, to connect with like-minded people because eventually they won't just be colleagues in your advocacy you know they might throw projects at they might hire you they might give you I don't know something that helps you earn from from your passion
0: yeah, you mentioned being an introvert. Um, I know you mentioned before that you are an introvert person, and I said, no way. <laughs> Can I guess you I'm an ambivert. Explain
1: that. <laughs> I guess I'm more of an ambivert. Um, I'm very talkative when I'm with people that I, you know, you just click. Even if you've met only once, you think that that person is your friend. <laughs> Even if it was just a one-time meeting or even if it's just an online meeting, like right, Rosh, like yeah. we've met in person before, but we've never really talked. And then yeah, yeah. when we started our Chica Chica online, that's when we realized, okay, hey, I like this person. So I'm like that. I'm very, very talkative with my friends. But um, I tend to be awkward in social situations. I can also talk a lot whenever I serve a certain function, like but I said when I'm supposed to network because I'm representing this project or that program or I'm supposed to get the support of the people in the room, then I'll be able to go around, introduce myself and talk about what I'm passionate about or what I would like them to do. But um, if you put me in a party and say, enjoy. <laughs> I get stressed and I, I end up wanting to go home or sitting in a corner, choosing just one person to talk to. So I'm, I'm, that, I'm that kind of person.
0: See, it doesn't show. So um, meaning when we give you a certain hat, you are going to wear that hat effectively. Yes. But when yeah. you're just you know, being yourself.
1: When there are no not, hats.
0: <laughs> yeah, no hats. So you're also not comfortable talking to you know, um, strangers.
1: Yeah. Because I know that I'm quite strange. I know I have my quirks. You know, my personality, my interests are very, very different from the interests of the majority. So I feel like it's very difficult for me to relate to what they like. Not because not I'm not saying that I'm special. It's just that my interests are just strange. And that's (laughs) why yeah, that's why it's so difficult to share it with others because I know they're probably not interested in it. (laughs) Oh. <laughs>
0: all right well thank you so much you've shared a lot and I know that whoever will be listening or watching this podcast episode will also learn a lot about how they're going to transform their passion into paid projects is there anything else that you wanted to give you know um, advice to the audience who are like you when you were starting you just um, do whatever you like and then Mm -hmm. you're building portfolio unknowingly and didn't realize that it, it will become you know the source of a network or the source of you know um, client, it will attract clients in the future. What can you advise can you, to them? Um,
1: I know that we're talking about advocacies here, but I wanted to clarify that it's not limited to advocacies. If you're passionate about baking, if you're passionate about something else, uh, it's also applicable. So, uh, the very the the most important thing that you can do if you really want to convert your passion into something that earns is you document it and you share it with others. So take a photo of your cake, take a video of you baking, um, talk about your plans, talk about your pets, whatever it is that you're passionate about, whether it's an advocacy or whether it's your pets or plants or baking, cooking, dressmaking, crocheting, whatever. Document it, share it with others because you will find people who are interested and not just interested, but are willing to pay for whatever it is You have to offer, especially if you're passionate about that thing. So, you know, just continue. Find your time where you can do your passion and make sure that you document it and share it online. Yes, and they don't have to start from a website um, Ooh, there are yes. few websites
0: they can go check out strikingly or wix but they can also just start you know using their social media pages Create yeah, facebook their facebook
1: page great yeah, even if it's even if it's just their profiles because remember your first yeah. customers will always be your friends and family i know yes some of them have bad reputations where they ask for free things but there are also a lot who are willing to support you in your passion
0: that's right. That's right. I agree. Well, thank you so much for your time, Tess. And I hope we can do this again soon because I really enjoyed a lot. And I'm sure the viewers, the listeners will also enjoy and um, learn a lot from this episode. Thank you so much, everyone. Um, for those who are listening or watching this episode, if you have some takeaways, feel free to comment. Down below on what, what are the experiences, what are the realizations that you had during this episode. Share it, share it to us so that other people would know, you know how um, effective this, this episode is. Thank you so much. And I'll see you again on our next episode here at the Passion and Purpose Podcast. Bye, everyone. Thank you for listening to the Passion and Purpose Podcast. Join us next week for another inspiring adventures.